Welcome to Cover Stories, the podcast where we talk to musicians we like about music they love. I'm your host, Eric, and every week I invite different artists to cover a song of their choice and discuss what it means to them. This week we have Octavio and James from the band Fader Friend covering Found Out About You by Gin Blossoms, uh, a band that we were all kind of inspired by. We all had a really good conversation. In addition to discussing how the Gin Blossoms influenced their music, we also talk a lot about underrated alternative bands of the 90s, some of our guilty pleasures, songwriters that were inspired by authors, our go-to karaoke songs, and the current culture and technology of music consumption. Don't forget to subscribe and rate. With that said, let's go ahead and get started. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this is Cover Stories. My name is Eric. I'm here with Zach uh, from Sticker Fridge. You. And uh, we've got um, our very first special guest, um, Fader Friend. We've got Octavio and James from Fader Friend. Oh, hello. Just to kind of give a rundown of what we're going to do here, um, I'm, we're going to be inviting musicians on to the podcast to do a cover, and we're going to talk about why they chose that cover, a little bit about that cover, what it means to them musically. And just go from there. So, um, for starters, um, you guys are Fader Friend. Um, how would you describe your music? Very sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I guess it's more like a like pop rock band, I think, is the best way to put it. We would like to think of ourselves as a little more tougher than that. But in reality, we're definitely a pop rock band. So, I think that's the best way to put it. It's got a lot of influence all across the board, really, it's um, a wide range of... I love, you know, 90s music, which is what we're going to do right now. We're going to do a cover of um, Found Out About You by the Jim Blossoms and a lot of early 2000s music, um, you know, all kinds of different types of music that we really enjoyed. Well, what about you, Eric? Yeah, oh, definitely a lot of... James. A lot of 90s alternative, 2000s emo influence, alternative rock, pop. Some jazz. Yeah. Some jazz. <laughs> what kind of jazz? <laughs> I'm lying. I don't know anything about jazz. Yeah, you know, that, I think you definitely kind of hit the nail on the head for, to describe your own band, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely hear a lot of 90s influence, and I, I think when you guys told me that you were going to do this Gin Blossoms cover, um, this is a cover that you've done before, but I understand you guys arranged it a little bit differently for this recording. Is that right? I felt like our recorded version was kind of like a complete beefed up kind of replica of the actual song um which was great i i'm when it comes to covers i'm real big on like trying to do them the way the song was meant to sound by the original artist that's really big for me um but in terms of this situation i thought it would be a lot more fun to take a different take on it it was just it's just going to be two of us it's not going to be all you know the entire band so i thought it would be really cool to make a different arrangement we tried uh, a couple of different arrangements and um we ended up coming up with kind of like a like I said, it kind of sounds like we are like taking that song and as if it was written in the 80s as opposed to the 90s. So try to break it down so it's not a full band arrangement, but still make it more interesting and to listen to than just two guys with acoustic guitars. Yeah. Yeah, we're really trying to avoid that. Yeah, you can find that on any college campus. Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that, I mean, like I said, I know you guys have done this cover before, but I think the go-to 
Gin Blossoms covers Hey Jealousy, and um, I forget that they have about four or five like hits. And found out about you is actually charted higher than Hey Jealousy. Um, was there anything in particular about this song specifically that you wanted to do as opposed to you know any of their other songs? Hey Jealousy was is probably my favorite Gin Blossom song. But the only thing about that song was that there were numerous artists already covering that song. Yeah. Um, I was able to find a few different like live performances of some people covering Found Out About You, but nothing that was like a solid, like somebody had done it and done it well. Um, and that was a big thing for me. I really wanted to take a song from the nineties that I enjoyed that there was a few songs that really taught me about like how, how music should sound. Um, and that was one of them. Originally, the song that I wanted to do was um, that song by the New Radicals. Get uh, What You Give? Yes. I wanted to do that song, but I felt like that was not the feeling that Fader Friend had. Um, and I felt like this suited our sound a little bit more. And we were able to execute it pretty well. So That's interesting. You know, when it comes to, to 90s music, I, I think that New Radicals song is definitely one of the first that comes to mind. And that would have been interesting to see you guys do that. I still uh, want to do it. Yeah, I think maybe it be, eventually. Yeah. Maybe we can bring yeah. you back if this is a successful podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, once and also, I should have said to begin to thank you guys for coming on. You know, oh, I really yeah. appreciate. Yeah, thanks for having. Thanks, thanks for having us. Episode. Uh, I wasn't blowing smoke up your ass when I said this. You guys were the first band I thought of when I had this idea to do this. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen you guys do a few covers live, and I know you, I've talked to you about doing other covers. So I knew y'all would be fun to have on. And thanks for the pressure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, as far as the gin blossoms go, um, they kind of came at this time, um, they're early nineties, but they sound like a mid nineties band. And it, it's weird to think about that. Cause it's only separated by two years. Uh, what's the album called? Miserable experience. You miserable experience. Yeah. yeah. It came out in 92, but it sounds like a 95 record. And it, it, it's weird because their their transition rock radio at that time was, you know, all about Nirvana and, and grunge. And they have this kind of grunge level to their sound but it's so poppy mm. and like it, it's so catchy and, and melodic that it, it, it transitioned really well to what the 90s rock became that was a big thing like uh i always try to convey when i talk about 90s music is that i feel like when people think about the 90s they're always like grunge nirvana you know smashing pumpkins which both those bands are absolutely amazing i do love those bands but it was to me when i think of the 90s i was i loved like uh the Jim Blossoms or like Vertical Horizon or like those bands that had those pop songs that were still, it was like all pop rock or whatever you want to call it. That was kind of under the radar, but it was still charting. Those were huge songs, huge radio songs, but they were kind of like, I guess maybe a different genre. Nobody really talks about that. Those hits that are huge, like Closing Time by Semisonic, you know, like all those really big one hit wonder bands. And like, it's weird that the Jim Blossoms are kind of like a one hit wonder band, but with multiple hits. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, uh, nobody really listens to, to the entire record. I feel like they have like four songs and everybody's like the Jim Blossoms rock because of these four songs. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, cause I know exactly what you mean. I mean, people forget they have these other songs. I mean, up until maybe like five years ago, I always associated them with the song, uh, till I hear it from you. Yeah. And then I forget they had found out about you. Hey, jealousy. And what's that other one about falling down? And they were really successful. And, you know, I read a lot of articles about them now. And, and I don't know if you guys follow AV Undercover at all. 
it's kind of what gave me this idea for this podcast. They invite bands to play different songs, and Hey Jealousy was one of the songs, and um, Cursive played it, and they were kind of making fun of the song, almost like it was a guilty pleasure. And it's so weird to see that dynamic because I never would have considered the Gin Blossoms a guilty pleasure. And there's just so many different feelings of, of within the, the community of music, the music scene or the indie music scene that some people like absolutely love it and some people are kind of like ashamed to admit that they love it. Yeah, that is pretty strange. I kind of felt that way, even talking about like pop hits, pop rock hits from the 90s. It's kind of like, is it supposed to be a guilty pleasure or is like, am I allowed to really enjoy this, you know, these songs? I enjoy them and I blast the shit out of them yeah. in the car like all the time. I listen to those songs more than I listen to like um, today's current music, which is maybe a problem. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a problem. And I, I, I'm on your side in that sense that I, like I said, I was surprised that people think it's a guilty pleasure, and um, I just think it's an interesting transition into like pop music for the '90s and and for where it was. I mean, grunge kind of came out of punk rock, and you know, from grunge you have like post grunge bands like tantric or even creed to an extent oh, um not to yeah. get all <laughs> semantic about genres or whatever but like this this kind of music that was really pop i mean you see the gin blossoms have i think even the lead singer jokes about like it's hard to find a rom-com without one of their songs in it in the 90s and they kind of defined that generation yeah it was funny because me and my brother were looking at um we were listening to a bunch of old uh 90s hits yesterday in the car and looking at their like monthly listeners on like Spotify and things like that, and they're charting like millions. Yeah, and so you know those are like those songs are just put on every single playlist you can think of that it has anything to do with the '90s, and yeah. that's where they're getting all their plays. And you know, people want to hear those songs. Those songs are still like I think thriving today. You know? Yeah, and people don't really I don't think those songs get the credit that they deserve. Like listen to like singles from like Tonic. You yeah, know, or you know those songs are amazing. If you were like to bring those back and like, what I want to know is like, if somebody wrote found out about you today, like say Fader Friend wrote that song or a more established band, how well would it do as opposed to it back then? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. But I think that's the plot of that yesterday movie. Yeah. Oh really? Have you seen that? Trailer? Oh yeah, with the Beatles uh, yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's like a. What happens is as if the Beatles didn't exist and he has all the music, right? Yeah. He's playing these covers and yeah. he's, to him, they're covers, but no one else has ever heard them before. It's Danny Boyle, the guy who did Trainspotting. He directed it. Is that movie out? So, no, uh, I don't think is it so. Coming out? Not yet. Not out yet. I'm probably not going to watch it. Quick note. <laughs> Quick note, jumping back to uh, Guilty Pleasures and yeah. also Nirvana. Mm. I think it's a Dave Grohl quote. He's like, I don't believe in Guilty Pleasures. Like, fuck that. Just like what you like. That is very honest. Like, it's very good. I like Dave to live by, yeah. I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of like learned that because as a kid, I was like, "Yeah, I like this band. I'm not, yeah. I'm not lame." Like, Dude, I liked NSYNC <laughs> when I was a kid. I'm not afraid to admit it. Oh man! So funny that we're talking about that because yesterday, I, it took me all the courage in the world to post a song on the on Instagram about the song that I like, and it's the, it is not something that I would normally listen to. It's a K-pop. You know, it is super kid pop, like <laughs> the most pop genre like urban outfitter song you've ever heard in your life and i was like i don't give a shit this rocks (laughs) so i had to share the world share with the world how much uh, i enjoyed that what song was it it's a song by a band called nightly called stay and yeah you can make fun of me that's fine Uh, 
See, Roast the, him in the comments. Yeah, the, <laughs> the fact that you made such a big deal about that, I saw when you posted it, and that made me want to go check it out. I, I for one, I love to listen to people's guilty pleasures. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's way more interesting than, yeah. you know, the, you know, whatever music's trendy or popular at the time. It's it's interesting to see what influenced people and kind of how their how their tastes were were shaped, like truthfully, not just yeah yeah, that's just following what, like, what they whatever project. is the top of the Spotify chart or whatever. That's a good point because I, I feel like there's a level of of like post irony with a lot of bands that like at one point like it was not cool to like Journey at all, and I feel like now it's like become so uncool it's actually kind of cool. Or am I alone in that? <laughs> Neil Sean shreds. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Um, I feel like with the group of musicians that I came up uh, with and who kind of shaped my musical taste, um, it was almost a, a competition of who can, you know, find the most, you know, genius, catchy pop song that's been hiding in plain sight all yeah. along. So like, oh, hey, have you heard this amazing Katy Perry song. Like, this is actually <laughs> yeah. a really well written song, or like you said, Journey. Yeah, ob- like obvious bands that you kind of like. Like I said, they're just kind of hiding in plain sight, right there. I think a lot of the a lot of the like stigma with those types of bands that are super talented is that the fan base can sometimes get annoying. I think Journey's a little different because they've been around for so long, but like there are some really good bands from like the third wave of like emo that I couldn't stand because I would see them everywhere at hot topic or like, I'd see like my friend's little sister talking about them. So I thought it was oh, yeah. cool. You know, it's always, it's always cool when only you know about it. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know if it was Lars Ulrich or, or somebody, I, I think it was Lars Ulrich who said that when Metallica was getting bigger, people couldn't keep them in their pocket anymore. They were too big for their pocket. So because it was too big for their pocket, they started hating them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to get into uh, <laughs> early like, Metallica versus newer Metallica. <laughs> it's like a just like a classic like hipster mentality. It's yeah, like, it's like the smaller it is, the better. I yeah, which it. ultimately, I imagine, like if you if you're a musician, you don't want to be. I mean, I don't want to be a, like an underground like niche band. I want to be be. A, I want to be a household name. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. And, and have a huge general audience. So I want everybody to listen to our music, not just one type of person. So to think that way. It's kind of strange, but I, I definitely am guilty of thinking yeah. those things. Like, yeah, like there's people have like the backlash, like oh they fucking sold out, like they got they got big, yeah, because they're good. Like it's, it's kind of more like a it's like a mental thing where it's like you know a lot about that band, so when you hear somebody else talking about them, you're like you don't know anything about that band. <laughs> yeah. I know about that yeah. band. Music is just such a personal thing. Yeah, yeah. people want to take ownership. Of yeah, it, and then when other people start getting in on it, I guess it feels less personal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a growing pain too because I feel like as I've gotten older, I think about some of the opinions I had. I'm just like, I want to hit myself in the face because of how like pretentious and 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 stupid it sounds, you know. And and uh, and yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the the personal aspect of it. If if so and so likes this band, then maybe it's not as personal to me. And it's a dumb mentality to have. On that note, when you're talking about you know being kind of household famous, um, household name. Uh, that kind of transitions back to uh, the song Found Out About You was written by Doug Hopkins who was the founder and guitarist of um, The Gin Blossoms um, he wrote that song he also wrote Hey Jealousy he wrote it, all the the good songs yeah. <laughs> um, and after they uh, after they got signed 
he would show up drunk to all the rehearsals and all the recordings that the A&M records um, kind of uh, pressured the band to either fire him or to lose their contract. And uh, it's one of those things, it's really interesting because um, when you see interviews with the band and you you go to old interviews with with Doug Hopkins, they knew that they had to fire. They both knew he had to be fired and that they were both aware of it, but he's still upset about them because those are his songs. Um, Yeah, he had to settle for like, it was like, I read on Wikipedia, it was like $15,000. He had to sign over all his mechanical rights and it was half of his music. Yeah, half of his royalties, but he was still getting paid for it too. So they didn't make him send everything over. But yeah, he was owed fifteen thousand, and they refused to give it to him unless he signed over some of the royalties. Yeah, and that's one thing that I feel like you hear a lot of these stories about these bands that break up and there's this bad blood, and it feels like they were real regretful because if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have got that record contract. No, definitely, it was with who at A and M or yeah, A and M. Yeah, and. at the same time, if it wasn't for him, then if it was, you know, it's his fault that they may not be able to go beyond that. So it was, it was a kind of like Sophie's choice, if you will, <laughs> as far as the band choosing what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, even to this day, it seems like they're real regretful because they were, they were friends, you know, and I think they just, they did a live tour of uh, recently, I think last year or this year of the anniversary. Mm. Um, uh, they were just here the other day, right? Yeah. Like a month or so ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're doing the the album from front to back, and apparently people were saying that you know Robin, whatever the lead singer's name is, he kind of dedicated some of the songs to Doug Hopkins because I mean that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so going kind of into his story a little bit, he was real resentful of that. He uh, was, a, was an alcoholic. He suffered from depression, mm-hmm. and um, when Hey Jealousy went gold, I had read a story that he hung up the gold record on his wall, and like within four days, he had smashed it from being upset. Um, the lead singer was talking about, I read a song interview where he went back to Tempe, Arizona, where they're from. Yeah. They was, flew him back. Yeah. And he, uh, when he was visiting Tempe, like on a break from tour, he went to this old bar that they used to go to and he walked out of the restroom and just gets sucker punched by Doug Hopkins. And oh he's telling him, you know, calling him a bastard and, you know, for doing this. And it, it's, it's, it's a sad story and it's, it's really, you know, it's one of those things that, that, you know, it, it that's the music business in the in a sense you know i read somewhere too i don't know where i read it maybe it's not real but i read that doug um poured salt in their van in their gas tank. Oh, really? oh, shit. <laughs> yeah which rocks yeah <laughs> that's, that's rock and roll yeah but yeah about a, a few weeks after hey jealousy went gold he actually killed himself and yeah. um you know it, it's it, it's it's sad on all ends, you know, and and obviously they're like a, a really big successful band, and you can tell they still have regrets about it. And I think some of them even said they'd give it all up to like you know have him back. Um, as far as his influence on the songs itself, I mean, you can definitely hear the difference. Um, you know, found out about you. It, it's got this kind of somber. Like I was reading a thing about one of uh, one of his friends wrote like kind of a, a personal narrative about him in his last days. And he had like these books on his desk or his coffee table, like Albert Camus and like these other, like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, these other like mm-hmm. huge authors. And I feel like you don't see a lot of songwriters anymore. Maybe it could be wrong. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys have a better perspective than I do. You don't see a lot of like these, these songwriters anymore who take influence from these like old authors. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of his music sounds very like Hemingway is like, it's something if Hemingway was a rock star, he would write these songs. Um, I used to be in another band called Westbound Departure, and I remember we were writing a song called, 
fuck, I can't even think of the name of the song. But we, Seth was a, Seth's a huge, he was a bass player and he was a huge uh, reader. He reads constantly. And he, I remember we took some lyrics, some of the lyrics in that song are from like reading a book. It was a, from a science fiction author, Isaac Asimov. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that is based upon one of his books, but I'm not sure which one, but I know Seth was coming up with all that stuff. Um, that's really that's cool. the only time we've ever I've ever seen that incorporated. Um, usually my lyrics are just things that I feel, um, situations that I'm going through, or situations. I write a lot of situations like outside perspectives of like somebody else's situation, and I'll write about that. Like I've done that a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know going about like reading and taking quotes from books or things like that, I don't. I've never I've never done that personally. So. I think there are a lot of different types of songwriters too. Um, like you, Tavo, I think you are naturally a good mm. lyricist. Um, well, thank you. No, I, I, it just comes naturally. The words kind of flow out of you. Um, I find when I'm creating music, I think of melodies and chord progressions and all, uh, all sorts of musical elements like that. Um, but I very much struggle trying to come up with lyrics and words to, to put to music. Right. I feel the same way. I mean, I think every songwriter kind of feels that way. Um, like writing words is pretty scary. Like putting them out there yeah. too. It's kind of like you don't know if people are going to relate or be like, "That's dumb," or you know. Um, but we've had a pretty good response with the whole thing, so I'm 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 pretty happy with it. And as I feel like that's another thing too is like if I'm able to listen to the songs and I enjoy them, I think that's more important than anything. So definitely yeah. the artists we're talking about too, though, like Gin Blossoms and other good like power pop right. bands from the 90s they all seem to have you know very like confessional lyrics and right you know, there, you know there's a lot of uh that's a whole nother level of the music going on kind of storytelling yeah which is kind of strange when you kind of like bring in the whole like genre of like emotional type music and it's like emotional like lyrics or things like that i feel like every song i've really ever listened to is have some sort of emotion into it so it's like i don't really i guess overly emotional music is more of a correct term but yeah when i show music i like to other people they say it's whiny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like no it's good he's, he's he's putting those feelings out there it's beautiful yeah it's let art him, let him feel yeah, let, let him feel let he's him got feel. feelings he's got a lot of feelings it's like i was playing some song before he showed up t- um to the rehearsal because we rehearsed before we came over here he opens up the the door and he's like, who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, that's get a lot of good points. And I wasn't trying to throw shade at like current you know musicians who don't read because I don't think you need to read. I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely don't read as much as some yeah. people, but I, I read, <laughs> you know, like I just don't incorporate that in my music. I do it with movies. Um, yeah. There are a lot of quotes and I hear in like a movie and I'm like, that's fucking deep i'm gonna use that even beyond like the quotes like your style like it it reminds me of like salinger stuff like jd salinger stuff or okay. even to the extent maybe bukowski not oh, to yeah, sound totally. stereotypical yeah. <laughs> but there, there's definitely that, that kind of like angst and like you know it's you have a lot of self-awareness yeah. in your songs and for one thing that's that's a rare quality and i i that's one of the reasons why i love your music you know Thanks. i um, other than the fact that you guys are friends, I mean, I can say right. here that I, I am a fan of your music as well. Um, and it, it, I do hear that and like, because maybe because I know like uh, some of the stories behind some of the songs too. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely resonates with me, but even if that weren't the case, I mean, you can feel it in, in your voice and, and the music that corresponds with it too. 
Um, and you know, I, I think uh, uh, that's kind of they came out of the gin blossoms came out of the eighties. They started in eighty six or eighty seven. Eighty six, I think. Eighty six. Um, their first album, Dusted, featured Hey Jealousy and uh, Found Out About You. Mm. Different recordings. Have y'all heard that one? I've never heard those recordings. I would like to hear them though. It's faster and it's a little bit more. Rough. Oh, I've heard the Hey Jealousy recording. I've heard it. Yes, it is different. It, it's a little bit more raw. Um, but I feel like those are one of those, that's one of those things where usually, and we've talked about this before, I like the more raw stuff, Yeah. but I feel like each, each version of the song covers a different kind of emotion. And like, sometimes I feel like listening to the more polished version. Sometimes I feel like listening to the more raw version, the more raw version definitely feels more like Doug Hopkins songs just from what I've read about him. Right. And the polished version feels like, okay, that's the actual band itself collaborating. Cause even the guitar, so the guitar works a little different, a little bit more janky. It was probably because he was drunk when they were recording. Um, but uh, on that note, too, I mean, they came out of the, the late 80s. Bands that were really influential to, influential to them were like Replacements and Big Star. And and um, it, it's interesting to see that like from those bands, they become probably the biggest. I mean, Replacements obviously have a huge cult following. But mm-hmm. the Gin Blossoms are going to be known by moms and, and you know, Thea's out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Um what do you? How do you feel about you know when it comes to your influences and 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 taking your music to the next level? Mm. Um, is it something that you you try to incorporate into your music as far as you know like this is this song was influenced from when I was listening to a lot of so and so, or is it just more like you know this is just a culmination of everything together? I feel like uh, um, so our record that's um, coming out is titled Dizzier. Um, which already is very, it's tinged with '90s. That whole that word to me is extremely '90s. I actually really I'm a huge Goo Goo Dolls fan, so I loved one of my favorite records is Dizzy Up the Girl, and so I wanted to, I really wanted to continue that feeling, even though we don't. That record doesn't sound anything like our record. That record is flawless. That's an amazing record, but. Um, I really liked the word, you know, Dizzy Up to Girl. I liked that uh, title and I wanted, you know, to, feel, to have that feeling. So I took Dizzier and I took it in a, in a darker approach because I, you know, sometimes maybe you have like a, a dark experience in your life or like you're feeling a certain way and you don't really know if like other people feel that way. And trying to take that feeling and let people know that other people do feel that way and it's okay to feel that way. And that was a lot of that feeling of that record. Um and I feel like it was very 90s inspired, a lot of 90s influence. But it's also like uh, maybe like mid 2000s, you know, um, it's got a lot of feeling yeah. like that. Um, a lot of bands like that. We've gotten a lot of like uh, comments regarding that era of music saying, you know, people, whether they say, hey, this sounds, you know, just like the music in high school and stuff. And I'm like, thanks. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, and that's a compliment to me because I love that music, and that's never—it's never an insult. Um, I was going to ask you, Tava, because I've—I've I've seen those comments too. I, I'm kind of ambivalent about like that—that that comment when it's like, oh, it sounds like the music I listened to growing up. Like, oh, that takes me back to high school, or yeah, I saw one guy that takes me back to middle school. I yeah, like, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, we're dated as shit. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I don't feel that way. I feel like. Um, I I understand where that comment comes from, and I do feel that there was also like a big spawn of 
like the emo revival thing that happened in like maybe 2014 and on. Um, and there were tons of bands that were bringing that sound back to life. And there are tons of successful bands now that people are, uh, people familiarize themselves with and familiar, familiarize those two genres kind of just twine together now. Um, but you can hear the, there's a, there's a significant difference as opposed to the music that was in the mids and then now. And I feel like our music, although you do have that similarity from, you know, that previous genre, we do offer uh, a more current sound. Yeah, definitely. I think that what you guys have done is, I mean, you can hear influences, but you still sound like you. And it's really hard for a lot of bands to do that. Um, We were kind of talking about this earlier before we started recording about how a lot of these new bands are sounding like either like 90s emo or even like 90s pop rock and they have never heard those bands before i think um i was listening to a podcast one time i did a newer band on and some people they're probably like 20 21 22 Mm. when they started and people were going up to them telling them telling them they sounded like 90s emo and they're like so you guys think we sound like third eye blind like they had no idea what 90s emo was you know yeah yeah and um i I think it's it's kind of and part of it is it's cyclical but also part of it is that that stuff's just really good you know totally it's funny you say that because um, when we had recorded, found out about you, I'd showed my my family, like, you know, recordings that we were doing and stuff. And one day I show up there and my sister was like, they're playing your song at H-E-B. And I was like, that's not our song. Oh, man. <laughs> but thank you. Yes, that's the one we covered. That's nice. That's so, awesome. yeah, there's a lot of people that are not familiar with that. It, and that's kind of like, it's a, a topic that, kind of shitty but we're getting old um <laughs> don't want to talk about that too much but yeah i mean like those uh kids today are not too familiar with a lot of that i think like there are some band- bands that have survived like i think like third eye blind's a big one yeah um, people i think people are pretty it's so weird that like, third eye blind till this day is still current you know to me i think anybody who go and watch third eye blind in this room you know kids older people it's such an interesting dynamic, too, because, you know, growing up in the late 90s and 2000s, I mean, our parents listened to, like, hair metal. And granted, I've come around to a lot of hair metal recently, mm. but at the time, I was just like, this stuff sucks. Like, I don't <laughs> like this. This is too glossy. And it's interesting that, like, as we're getting older, we're now our parents' age, and younger kids, maybe I'm out of touch, I don't know, but I feel like younger kids are, like, embracing those 90s songs and, and kind of, you know, playing them and, and really liking them. I think what kids are embracing from the 90s is more so like an image. They're, That's true. They're trying to replicate that image, like big clothing, um, yeah. mom jeans, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, but they're not familiarizing themselves with the actual culture of the 90s, and that kind of bothers me a little bit. But, I mean, what can you do? Style is style, I guess. Like, you need to know about this <laughs> stuff, okay? Come sit down, listen to this song. I sound it. old, but, I mean, it yeah. sucked. <laughs> I don't have What's I don't have high hopes for the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think that, like, like I said, it is a little cyclical. But um, I will say that, and maybe it's just because you know you and I are in our thirties, but I feel like nineties rock is the best song to car- best music to karaoke. Oh, totally! Yeah, top of my lungs. Like everybody yeah. knows those songs. Okay, so g- let's go around the table. What's your favorite karaoke song to do? I'll go first. I'll go last. Uh, El Scorcho. By Weezer. Dang. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I got to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I don't think this is a 90s song, but 
My favorite song to do is uh, what's Mother by Danzig. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that song rocks, right? Hell yeah. Um, um, Weezer's such a good... Like, their whole discography, even the later stuff you know, is I've so good to You know, I've seen you do... Hey, Jealousy, multiple times. Yeah. And you do it very well. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. So it's always um, fun watching that. My name is Jonas is fun. Um, I also like doing, and it's, not, it's like more late 90s, not 90s, 90s, but Weedis' is, uh, Teenage Dirtbag is a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Doing the girl voice in the middle. What era is Lifehouse um, hanging by a moment? That's the that's early, 2000s. early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. I've seen Richard Tobin do that, and that's it rocks. It's <laughs> funny you bring them up because there's a lot of bands like that. Like the Calling is another band like that. Oh where, yeah, yeah. Those like that that little niche of that sound. What was that? Like I don't know because, like I said, I don't like getting too much into genres because it can be get yeah, real yeah, pretentious yeah. real quick. But like, it's almost like post grunge, but it's also super poppy. So it's, it's right, almost like the Gin Blossoms and like Creed had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And then that baby cheated on their girlfriend and yeah. then they wrote a song about cheating on their girlfriend. I also like to do for karaoke um Shimmer by Fuel. Oh wow. are Damn Fuel. Really nice. <laughs> also my favorite Metallica album. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh I didn't I forgot to answer. I I don't do karaoke very often cuz I'm super shy and can't sing. But once in a while, well not anymore anymore, but uh I was very drunk and I would do karaoke. <laughs> and I did Seven Nation Army. Oh, nice. I want to say I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my better pieces of work. Yeah. Um, that's a good, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know if this is an accidental transition, but that's interesting because I feel like when that type, like White Stripes and like the The Bands came out, mm. I don't want to say it killed this era of like pop rock, but mm. I feel like it kind of took over the radio. Because you go from bands like Gin Blossoms or like Fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, have you heard Fountains of Wayne's earlier stuff before Stacy's Mom? I don't think I'm familiar. No. Check it out. It's oh. really good. Everyone knows him because of Stacy's Mom, but their their old stuff's really good. It's very semi sonic ish, you know. Mm-hmm. But like all these bands that were real big in the '90s and transitioning to 2000s got kind of taken back because of the the bands like the Hives, the Strokes. And the White Stripes. And it's interesting just because those bands were kind of revitalizing like 70s arena rock to an extent, um, doing it kind of at a different level of it. So, I mean, it goes back to like everything being cyclical, but kind of adding a a new thing on it. And I think that's another reason why a lot of bands now sound very similar to the Gin Blossoms and and Old Weezer. It's weird that you bring those bands up too, like the the, the bands. Um, There was... for a long time, I did not like the Killers, and I did not like the Hives, until like maybe about two years ago, when I really was <laughs> like, "These bands rock." Yeah, yeah. And I had like I went on a really long like Killers kick for a while. Like Hot Fuss was my like go to album when I'd get in the car. Those songs rock. But I never, I hated the Killers in high school. I was like, "This band is the worst." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love them now. It's like the opposite for me. I liked them a lot in high school. I, I, I tried listening to him. I was like, eh, I don't want to listen to this. This right is now. over now. Before I ever, you know, paid attention to music, I was a lot younger. Um, I'd watch Saturday Night Live a lot, and I saw the Killers uh, do the performance of of Human. Yeah, whatever year that was. And you know, I didn't have any new strong opinions as a as a kid or anything about music, but that performance just made me mad. I was like, <laughs> I don't like this. Like, what, why, why is he dressed up like a aristocrat he had like <laughs> shoulder pads on i was like what is going on here and 
yeah, for some reason, it's it's a lot easier to appreciate after the fact. You know, I, I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, kinda, you you begin to you know understand what makes this this music great or catchy or whatever you want to call it. Um, and for me, a lot of times I find I'll, I'll I'll miss it the first time around and have to kind of look back and see, recognize, oh, you know, actually there was some there was some uh, some little bit of genius going on with with what they were releasing. Definitely. That's a good point because I, I, I feel like there's so much stuff around the music. You can't really focus on the music a lot until years later when people stop talking about it. Cause I, I think I felt the same way about the killers and like, I know I was reading a lot of stuff. Like people were like, Oh, like they're trying to be David Bowie. They're trying to do this. And then like when I went back, I think rock band actually was playing rock band and playing those songs on a rock band. We we're just playing the song along, like along with the song. It's just like, Oh, like, there's some kind of rules, man. Like it's it's weird to like just to, like to reduce it just to the music, and I think that that's a big reason why these things kind of come back and forth. I was wondering, I wonder if there's like something like innate, like in our psychology, that's like like you're saying, like it's cyclical. Like we'll kind of repeat genre like styles and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I wonder if there's just like certain tones and notes that just like resonate like internally with us. It's like keeps drawing us towards it. Like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know. I think some of it's sociological too. Um, just you know. I think a lot about like where I grew up and like the friends I had mm. and had I had different friends, I could like a totally different type of music than I do now. I know we've talked a lot about high school and the oh, yeah, music totally. that you listen to. Yeah. When I moved, I moved. So I grew up on a different side of town. I grew up on the South side of town and moving to the Northwest side. Um, it's at a completely different time. And I hated like a pop punk music, you know, like music. like And I hated it. And, I was like, no, nah, man, you got to listen to Slipknot and Stain <laughs> and Korn. You know, I was like, those are the bands, you know, like, what is that? Like, new metal, you know? Yeah, like, man. And those are my favorite bands. And, like, moving over and understanding that I was way, way off, you know? like, <laughs> So it took me a long time, but I finally got there. I've, like, uh, I see Seth is watching, but Seth and Richard Tobin were to thank for that, showing me the ways, big on uh, the movie life and, you know, bands like that that really changed my uh, outlook on music and stuff. I can't even, like, picture you liking those bands. <laughs> dude, <laughs> it's so foreign to me. You have the Roach Antler bangs. Fuck yeah, oh, yeah dude. <laughs> dude. I was, I was like, new metal as fuck. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I walk into the rehearsal space and Tavo doesn't know I'm there, he's got the eight-string guitar out. <laughs> <laughs> the Ivan, the eight-string Ivan is. Like, check this out. Yeah. Oh, God. Dude, that rocks. <laughs> kind of a... So similar, like in that vein, they always get lumped in with like dad rock, like nine nine five kiss kind of like yeah tool. Uh-huh. People just hate them. Like it's easy to just be like, oh, it's a dad rock band. They're fucking really talented and super good, and I love those guys. Totally. I always another thing. I think I already brought this up, but Tool, that band specifically, I will always like Tool because it's like. Uh, Reminds me of like hanging out with my dad, you know, and things oh, like yeah. that. Working on the car. <laughs> Working on the motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. dude. But it's like, um, if Tool came out now and tried to play one of those songs and it was never established before, I don't think that'd be a thing. I really don't. People, I, I don't, don't think know. people would catch I on think, to it. I think so. It might catch on, but not the way it used to. Like, not the way it did then. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, probably. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's a similar band... Not so much, not super similar, but I guess in like a progressive sense and like maybe with like the topics that they write about, mm. 
Uh, there's a band Carnival out of Australia, mm-hmm. and they're like popular. They're they have a following, like they're huge, or whatever. But like I don't know, not like Tool in the nineties. Oh, so right, it's like, right. So <laughs> exactly. I guess it's like same thing. Yeah, like yeah. It wouldn't, they'd I don't probably think, be as popular as Carnival. Yeah, is. I don't think they would. Because I feel like Tool has a giant impact on like that scene of music. I mean, they're like yeah. gods in that music yeah. scene. So it's interesting because I feel like a lot of those bands influence the next generation, and that next generation became more popular and ended up killing that those bands. Like, there's so many bands that you talk to and in or you you see interviews with and and they talk about their influence and their influences. Um, you don't re- they don't really sound like them and all the people that like listen to that old band kind of flock to their band and that other right. old band becomes kind of not irrelevant, but they definitely lose their momentum. Um, there's a story about Lita Ford who was in the runaways. Um, she, uh, you guys know Lita Ford, right? Mm-hmm. The eighties, um, kiss me deadly or whatever. Uh, she was in the runaways, the runaways influenced the germs and Pat smear from the germs was in Nirvana. Nirvana killed hair metal which is what Lita Ford's solo stuff was. So it's kind of interesting to see these, these kind of patterns where, where these bands are influencing the people that ultimately kill them. It's kind of Oedipus Rex in a way. It's <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> not so good. Yeah. It's weird talking about like, you know, killing off genres and things like that. I've read an article not too long ago about how guitars are the past. Like, Nobody's playing guitars anymore. Really? Like, yeah, like, like just like in favor of what? Like electronic music, or I guess like it's the era of like electronic music. Like nobody wants to hear loud guitars. I'm not. And for I talk it. about. I have a lot of friends, like <laughs> uh, producers and you know engineers and things like that in the music industry, and they're they're they agree with it. You know. Yeah. And it's you know you listen to all like the big like charting songs right now, and there's not a lot of guitar in there. You know, yeah. it's and. More so now, I've kind of caught on to that, and I would like to incorporate like a lot of new like um, you know electronic aspects, but still have like a huge driving chorus with guitars yeah. and you know, and I think you can mix them both in and make both of them still you know relevant. Definitely, yeah. Um, at the same, I mean, like yeah, I get it from a charting perspective, but like they were saying that about Radiohead in the late nineties too. Mm. And so it's been a kind of on, either ongoing thing or just something that kind of happens every once in a while. Um, I love the f- first few Radiohead albums. I like the later stuff, but the rock and roll stuff is really where that's the stuff I love. I think I only like one radio song, Radiohead song, and I don't know what the name of it is. You haven't listened to all the good ones, then. I've listened to a few of it. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the name of it, but the Benz yeah. is a great album in general. I was gonna say, yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> There's a lot of things you, that I will disagree with in, when it comes to Radiohead. A lot of things you're wrong about. You know, I think it's harder and harder to make that argument that, you know, this genre is dead. Guitars are dead. This is dead. Um, just because of how decentralized the way that we consume music is now. You know, no longer is there, you know, like, just a handful of record labels in charge and, you know, they have mass media distribution capabilities. And so the stuff that's on the charts is what gets played on the radio and and that's it. And it's a kind of a feedback loop. I mean, with the advent of, you know, this streaming like Spotify and YouTube, all those platforms, people really are able to just go into their corner and listen to the kind of music that they want to listen to. Mm. It seems more 
democratic yeah, as far yeah. as you know uh, styles of music, whether or not they they become popular or not. Um, but then again, at the same time, it's all that more difficult for a band like or a rock band, you know, especially if that's not the kind of music that's popular necessarily right now. Um, when you don't have the backing of some sort of major media channel, just blasting your music out to, to everybody's radio. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't understand how that really works. Like people think that, and in some cases, yes, this is correct, but some people feel like they just, a huge agent walks into a bar one day and watches them and they're like, you guys are it. Yeah. We're taking you to the top. Which, in some cases, yeah, that might happen, but ultimately, it's the what's the saying? It takes money to make money. Yeah, you have to. It's it's a lot of money involved in like trying to put yourself out there, and you know, people are not just writing about you because they want to write about you. They write about you because they're getting paid, and that's the really shitty part about music. But it's it's the truth. So yeah, but it's luckily enough. Like I feel like. Um, we've been relatively successful on like Spotify and things like that and just pushing our own music. And a lot of people are against those, um, outlets for music, but I really feel like it's benefited us, um, tenfold, like tons of people have heard us, you know, and I don't think without that outlet, people would have heard us. And at that, at this point right now, it's not about money. It's about getting people to listen to us. And I think that's something that a small artist should really realize it's you're not going to make any money if nobody's listening to you, you know, and that's what these are for. And once you do start getting a following and, you know, money's going to come when, if, if money's going to come, it's going to come, you know, but ultimately it's not about that. It's about getting your music out there and getting it heard. And that's what those outlets are for. And I think they're great tools and we've had good, we have great success with those. So. Yeah. I feel like I'll entertainment, in general, is kind of in the business of uh, attention now, buying and selling attention rather than like any underlying product. So it's like you drop people in with the music, and then once you've got an audience and their attention, you got to figure out something else to do with it because they're not going to buy your ten dollar CD or even ninety nine cents on iTunes yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Only nine nine cents. Just buy the fucking single. <laughs> yeah. Do it, please. <laughs> please. That, that's another interesting thing too. Is that like back in the nineties, they would put out albums every two, three years. Now it's like you have to put a new album out every year in order to stay relevant in a lot of these circles. Right, and a big thing right now is not necessarily even albums. People are just putting out yeah. singles, and singles are big. Like that, I think that's a really smart way to go about um, putting out music because you put out one song and you create a whole campaign around that song. You put an acoustic version out of it you put a video out of the actual song an acoustic lives you do a podcast mm -hmm. you do all kinds of things for that one specific song and that's gonna you're gonna be able to ride that song out for a good two months two three months and if you have say you have a eight song record you have eight songs you put them out all individually yeah yeah and then when you finally put it out as a whole you can still put it out and people are still gonna listen to that record and still gonna buy it and i think that's just strategically a lot smarter right now as opposed to putting out a record putting out two singles and then nobody gives a shit about the rest of the record. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot smarter to give each song a uh, time to shine. And I yeah. think that's what we've been trying to do. Um, we've released how many songs now? Four, I think um, off a nine song record. So it's too bad. We're not the gin blossoms. Yeah, I know. Well, it, you know, like the album came out in 92 and Hey Jealousy went gold in 93 and found out about you 
went number one on the alternative charts in 94. Like, that's so crazy to think about. That would never happen now. Like, they'd be done with it after maybe six or eight months, depending on, you know, the, the popularity of it. So, you look at people charting, yeah. too, like now, their, like, record sales and things are, like, back in the day, they would not be anywhere on the chart because mm. record sales were, you know, yeah. Yeah. because of streaming sites and things like that. Yeah, they didn't and, have um, as many options. Yeah, and so people aren't buying records, but people are charting relatively easy now. Or not necessarily easy, but with lower numbers, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like people that were really bringing in numbers back yeah. in the day. You think about promotional efforts too. Like all yeah. they had was like TV, yeah. you know. And yeah. I don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I don't think anybody watches TV anymore. Um, maybe some in, in the nineties, though. In the nineties, yeah. that's yeah. where it was. Then that's all you had. You didn't have a computer. Nobody had a com- mm-hmm. the internet or like things like yeah. that. You know. Like Instagram, people can look at your picture and be like, "We're playing here tonight." That no, wasn't like that. You had to go staple your gun yeah. and fly around a fucking <laughs> put those on windshields, posts and shit. Yeah, <laughs> you download the Gin Blossoms, uh, found out about you, and then you realize it's a cover after you spent like thirty <laughs> minutes. <down laughs> yeah, the Webster. Uh, yeah, it's just a goddamn fader friend cover. I don't want that shit. <laughs> God damn it. Um. Yeah, I remember reading or watching an interview with the lead singer to Gin Blossoms and him talking about like what they did in between the record releases and they just toured like nonstop and constantly. Yeah, you had to do that more back then to reach. You know, if you're from Tempe, Arizona, to reach somebody in Florida, you have to tour. And yeah. now you can just do that. Uploading. It takes a, it takes a lot of effort too. You have to yeah. like live on your computer pretty much to like really get some sort of buzz going, which is it's it's tiresome. And then people hire managers and things like that. But I feel like we've done a pretty good job um, on our own, uh, presenting ourselves in a professional manner on the internet, which is another weird thing. I feel like we're kind of a, a dad rock band because we care about how <laughs> we look on, you know, we're like, oh, it needs to look a certain way. And, yeah. you know, trying to maintain uh, an, the brand. A, yeah, of Fader <laughs> Friend. And a lot of bands are so... Uh, nonchalant about you know yeah. their thing now but that's kind of like a look in itself you know yeah. what i mean they're like it's cool to not give a shit yeah you know so that's always been cool though it's a, yeah <laughs> i don't give a shit either I'm, yeah, I'm but just i like lying. i like everything you guys have put out like it's really clean and like has like a uniformity to it yeah it's like there's Thanks. a level of professionalism there that i yeah. appreciate i yeah see i thank you for noticing thank yeah. you. <laughs> that, means a, that means a bunch all those hours slaving over instagram filters <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm glad someone's finally yeah, recognizing man. us so um, that about wraps up what we wanted to talk about. Do you guys want to add anything? Any kind of plugs or? Um, we got a few new videos out on YouTube. You can check them out. Um, if you go to our Instagram, you can see we have a link in our bio there that'll take you to our What's website. Your it's uh, at Fader Friend. Yeah, we'll put it all in the show notes and stuff too. Yeah, um, you can see those videos. We got a live version. Uh, we just put out a song called "Worlds Away." Um, there's an actual video for the song, and then we're going to, there's a live version of it. And I think we're going to do an acoustic version here pretty soon, so um, keep an eye out for that. And other yeah. than that. And uh, we well, found out about you, the song we're going to do. We've got a studio recorded version, uh, like you were kind of alluding to earlier. Um, but our take that we're going to do right now is going to be a lot different than that. We're getting kind of creative with the instrumentation and stripping it back a little bit and trying to make it um, just something different to listen to. Yeah, I feel like if you really enjoyed, like, uh, I guess, like, if you really liked Worlds Away, if you have a 
if you had a chance to listen to that song from us, it's kind of got that vibe. Um, it's in a similar category. It's like as if I was telling James and Eric, um, it's kind of like if that song was written in the 80s as opposed to the 90s. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited yeah. to play it for you guys. So yeah, I'm excited, excited to hear it. Yep. So yeah. thanks for watching us too. Cool. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, Had a lot Iggy, of fun. for being yeah. on. Like thanks again, like this was, uh, you guys were the first band I had in mind, and I really appreciate you. When you said yes, I was like, oh, cool. He's down. I got to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the same for us. We were like, holy shit, we really got to fucking, we got yeah. to come up with an arrangement. And luckily it worked out. But yeah. Once you said yes, we had to go out and buy all this stuff to like actually. Make <laughs> we it actually happen. just came yeah. back from the store. We just bought we just all Googled this stuff. how to make a podcast. We're just going to return it after this. <laughs> you had a book, it's like Podcast for Dummies.
school yard. 